appreciate them being here today. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. That, that's the sappy part of our message. That's over with now, so we'll move on. Um, we're talking about what's next. What do we do now that we know what Jesus has done? Now, now, that, we have his, now that we have his example, now that we have his word to look at, what is next for us? What do we do in a church? What, how do we take what we've learned? I think this is the biggest disconnect in the Christian life. How do I take what I've learned from the word, what I learned in Bible studies, what I've learned from uh, messages I've heard preached, whatever, uh, from the examples I've seen lived before me? What do I do with that? And how do I take that and make it practical in ministry? How do I take what I know and put it into practice? I know that... Um, Whatever occupation you're in, there was a time of learning, right? There was a time of learning the basics, of, of learning the theory of what you're going to do, uh, electricity or building or whatever it may be, a time of learning that. And then you had to actually take what you had learned and put it into practice so you could earn a living. Well, that's what we need to do with our faith, with the word of God and the things that we've learned. And that's what we're talking about as we've moved into this series. And in order for a church to fulfill its purpose and accomplish its goals, the individual members of the body must do their part by being active in some kind of ministry within the local church structure and according to the church's philosophy. This message is a continuation of what we talked about last week, what we started and what we got into. It's vital that if a church is going to be successful, if a church is going to fulfill its purpose and its ministry, the members of that church, the individual members of that church, must fulfill their calling, must fulfill their mission and their ministry. If the individual members of a church do participate in ministry according to their giftings and abilities, then the church will be successful. People will grow and they will deepen in their faith. People will come to know Jesus as their Savior, and the church will grow in numbers. The trouble there is that the people, the members, the individual parts of the body that we're talking about are human beings, right? And when it comes to human beings, we have flaws. We have struggles, just like that, that video shows. Uh, we all have things we struggle with in our lives. If you were to sit down and, uh, and talk with people in our church, and if we were all to sit around and have an honest conversation about what we struggle with in life, I think it might shock some of us. I think it might, uh, I, I think the, the fear, I think the unbelief, the lack of faith, the, uh, the struggle with being good enough, the struggle with working with others, there's all kinds of different issues we all have when it comes to our faith and when it comes to this world and it, when it comes to life. The struggle for us, and, and I, I love the one, uh, the, it said something about struggles with his past. Man, don't we all do that? Seriously. Don't we all do that? And it, it may not be the past that we committed. It may have been the past that was committed on us, right? The past that other people forced on us. And having to deal with that, I find that that is one of the most difficult areas of life, whether it's in family or friends or being bullied in school growing up or in church. That's one of the biggest areas that Christians today, especially um, the younger generation or even people my age, uh, when, when things really started changing in the church, it's one of the things we truly struggle with. How do I deal with these, this church abuse that I went through? 
and the way people treated me and the things that I was, I was made to do and told to do and I was told I was horrible because I lived this way and I didn't, how do I recover from that and how do I move forward and how do I trust a church again, right? It's a big question, man. How do I try, if we're nothing here at New Life, we're honest and we try to be transparent. Those are the real questions we deal with as Christians. In spite of all that, as we deal with all of that, we still have to work to build the kingdom of God. We still have to work to, to build the church. We have to work together and build relationships. If it's true, if we truly believe that Jesus forgives, will, can, and wants to forgive every sin, every fault, every problem in our life, and wants to build us and wants to continue, as Philippians 1.6 says, that the one who has begun a good work in you will continue to perform it, until the day of Jesus Christ? If that's true, then we have to do our part as believers in moving forward in ministry in the church, getting involved. Why the church? Man, we talked about this. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. The church is God's vehicle to reach this world. The local church is God's, is God's chosen vehicle to reach this world for Jesus Christ. That's, that's just the fact of the matter. People, people disagree with that. People don't like it. People say, I don't need a church. Okay. Then what you're saying is you don't want to follow God's plan. According to the Bible, you need to be in a church. And once you get into a church, you need to be active and you need to be a part of it. No matter what it is. We had one guy out here on a lawnmower yesterday. We had another guy with a leaf blower. Uh, the boy, my, my two youngest sons had a, a baseball game in Belchertown, the mini Fenway. Anybody been to the mini Fenway Park in Belchertown? Yeah, the boys, they, they, had a, they had an all-star tournament there this past summer and had a game there yesterday. They won 13 to 12. Oh, go. They last. And I'll say this, don't tell my boys this, okay? My wife and I are here and just don't tell Gabriel and Michael this. It's the last day of the season today. The last game, Lewis. The last game. They've, we've been playing baseball since April. April. They're eight years old. They played the league t league season. They made the all-star team and we committed to playing three tournaments. I had no idea that, that that was like handcuffing you to, um, to baseball for the summer. We had August off and then they've played since beginning of September fall baseball, two games a week. And it's been crazy. So I'm happy. I mean, it's going to be a great time to watch them play today, but I'm really happy that it's over. You know, my goodness, it's crazy. But, um, as I, as I came back and looked, we had all kinds of things going on. Did you know that that is ministry in the local church? That is ministry in the local church. I was foolish. They added, Zach and Jeremy said, hey, uh, why don't you climb on the, the, uh, the roller while we rake and shovel? Like, okay, I, Charlie, I forgot what it's like to drive a forklift. There's, there, there are thousands of pounds worth of machinery and there's no, um, there's no shock absorbers. <laughs> I'm not what the world would like to call young anymore. And I have replacement parts. And I told Aaron last night, I was like, I feel like I just got beat up by somebody. It was crazy. But I'll tell you what, it was awesome. I, I loved it. I loved rolling that thing. I loved seeing that party. I loved, loved watching Kate look and say, can I be the first one to drive on a Kate, Kate Cologne? I mean, we had to put a sign up for Kate. She was the first one to drive on the new parking lot. It was awesome. But I saw people around doing all kinds of things and, and performing ministry in the church. Did you know that we need that in our church for our church to, to continue to move forward and grow? There is nothing in this church that you can do that is insignificant. Do you realize that? 
There is nothing that you do for the cause of Jesus Christ that is insignificant. We had uh, like 37,000 families that needed food this week, right? And Lori and Pete, bless their hearts, Lori and Pete organizing all these meals. Uh, Carol is home from the hospital after lung surgery. We had two families have babies. And it, it all came together. It was awesome. Did you know that that's important? That is not insignificant. You make a meal for a family who just had twins who is back and forth to the hospital constantly. I mean, what, what a load off their mind. Seriously. There is nothing you can do in the church that is insignificant. And we need to understand that. That everything that is done for the cause of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ matters. It doesn't matter what it is. But in order for that to, 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 ha to take root and to produce fruit, we have to do stuff. We have to get involved. You know, we're dealing with all kinds of things in the world today. Everybody's telling us that we don't, that, that the, there's no truth and, and so truth is subjective and truth is whatever you want and however you identify and this and that and the other thing. We come back to the Bible. Truth is truth. Unfortunately, that idea of relative truth has crept into the church in many areas. And churches are buying into the philosophy. We talked about this last Sunday, remember? They're buying into the philosophy of the world. And the churches are, are becoming more of an entertainment center and a business rather than a place of ministry. I'm a pastor, not a CEO. We need to remember that. There's a big difference between the two. And we need to remember that this is worship. Now, we may have, you know, worship team. We have lights and things like that. That's just a product of, of a changing culture. And you, uh, you reach the culture where the culture is at. So this is why we do what we do. We don't do it to be flashy. We don't do it to be modern. We do it because this is where the culture is today. And listen, there are things in the, there are things in the Bible that never change. Salvation, baptism, uh, the love of God, our eternal security. All these things, they'll never change. They're they constants in the Word of God. There are some things that, don't, that do change. Society changes. The way we minister to people changes. We don't, I, I said this a few weeks ago, we don't wear robes and sandals anymore because this is modern society. This is how I'm comfortable. I'm not comfortable in a suit and tie. So we minister to people where they're at. But, but we minister and we do the things we do to reach people. There are those who, who look at their, their worship time as a concert and entertainment. We don't. This is where we connect with God in worship. And we offer to him a sacrifice of praise and an offering of worship. Because the Bible tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And the Bible, did you know the Bible says that if you offer to God an offering of thanksgiving, a, 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 a sacrifice of worship and praise. Did you know that the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his saints? What that means is when you offer a, a, a gift of worship and praise to God, he takes that and he owns that and he comes down and he meets with you and he communes with you and now you have fellowship with the Father. Man, that's a beautiful thing. And that's why we have worship time in our church so that we can be brought to a place of connection with our Savior so that we'll be ready to hear what the Word of God says. That's why we do this. And we have to make sure that we keep it that way because Relative truth has come into the church and 
we do whatever we do for whatever reason just because we want numbers and money. Well, that's just not, not right. We have to make sure that we're doing things the right way, decently and in order, as the Bible says. So what is the point of all this? What's the big idea? <clears throat> it's this, that we as individuals need to take a personal inventory of our spiritual lives as they relate to the church. We need to take a personal inventory. Before we ever move forward, it's important that we know where we're at personally. Our text is 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. It says, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Did you know that those who were out here yesterday mowing the lawn, blowing the leaves, raking and, and shoveling and riding that, uh, that beast of a, a steamroller and cleaning in the, and all the things that were going on, did you know that that was an, an offering? That was a form of worship to God? That was people offering their talents and abilities to God and saying, God, I want to serve you, and I want this to be done for your glory and honor. It wasn't so that they could earn brownie points with the pastor. One of them is my oldest son. The other is my nephew. I, I, I'm connected to them. I can't get rid of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's not like you're going to earn points with me by doing that kind of stuff. Now, these, these two guys, I mean, I'm so proud of this generation, the generation that is, is raised up behind, behind my generation. I'm proud to see them serving and Jeremy did a great job. Jeremy was uh, with, with just having a new child, a second new child that my sister Donna hold, was holding back there. Um, and working as much as he does, you know, constantly, it's like he's constantly working. Jeremy did all the legwork to get that parking lot taken care of for the glory of God. That's an offering of worship, a sacrifice of prayer, a sacrifice of praise. Those are the kind of things that Peter is talking about here in this passage. Now, how do we go about finding the answers to the questions about how we see church and ourselves within it? Because some choices in our lives that we have to be honest about, stands that we must take for ourselves truthfully and purposefully before we can honestly serve faithfully and effectively within our church. We have to look at our lives honestly, and we have to make some serious choices. We have to hit some checkpoints in our lives before we can ever truly serve from a willing, grateful, graceful heart. And we started talking about them last week. The first checkpoint was uh, we were talking about deciding our direction, that the Bible, is, if the Bible isn't our focus in every area of life, every area of our church, then we're simply a social gathering and we are doomed to fail. We came to the first checkpoint last week and it was a point of salvation. Will you choose Jesus? And we, we, we laid out the plan of salvation. And if you, if you want to get that, if, you, if you're someone who is uh, wanting to learn how to, how to lead someone to Christ, you can go back and look at that, uh, the live feed that we had on Facebook. You can listen to the, uh, the podcast again. And it's all laid out. And we even had the, uh, a sample prayer up on the screen for you. If you're a person who doesn't know Christ as your Savior, I'd love to talk to you. You can even watch that, 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 that sermon again. Or I could sit down and love to talk with you about why I've chosen Jesus to be my savior, why he is my hope. But that, the first one was the point of salvation. Listen, if you remember, if you were here last week, I showed a bunch of statistics about where Christians, who, where America is in faith. And 
I think it was like 71% of Americans call themselves Christians, but only 33% of Americans claim to be born again. That's the big, that's the big, the big uh, moniker we want right there. Because Christians, remember, if you remember from your Bible study, the word Christian, the term Christian was derogatory. It was a derogatory term given by the world to followers of Jesus. And it, they were calling them little Christs. Not in a nice way. But Jesus said that if you want to be my child, you must be born again. So that's, the, if you want to know if they're followers of Jesus, true evangelicals following Jesus Christ, um, knowing what the Bible teaches and, and, uh, and what it means to be saved and a true child of God, well, then you claim to be born again. So 33% of all Americans claim to be born again. That means that over half of the people in America that claim to be Christians and go to church are going to church without the right, for, without knowing why, without understanding the right reasons, and their service is not service to God, it's service to self. So we need to understand it. So the first point of, uh, the first checkpoint you have to reach in your life is understanding and making sure that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. That brings us to the second checkpoint, the point of decision. Will you follow Jesus? That's where many of you are right now. We've had a lot of new believers in our church, a lot of people who have come back to faith, a lot of people who are checking faith out. And then there's a lot of people who have walked with Christ for years and have kind of taken a break. Because listen, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit as we go further in the message, this is not an easy life. This is not an easy life. And I don't want to point my sisters out any more than I already did. It doesn't really matter. They're older than me. Um, they're probably faster than me now, too. I can't run anymore. Um, so I guess it does matter. I better be careful. Um, but ask my sister sometime what it's like to grow up in a pastor's house. Ask them sometime. It's not lollipops and lemonade and chocolate cake with ice cream. Pardon my language, but it can be hell on earth. Ask my wife. Ask my wife what it's like. To, to be a pastor's wife. It's a difficult life, man. It's tough. You talk about a fishbowl. <laughs> One thing that's true about a fishbowl is there are no curtains. And everybody has an opinion about how you should live your life. And everybody has an opinion about how I need to raise my two eight-year-old boys. Thank you very much. I don't need your opinion. I'm doing okay. We're, my wife and I are doing okay. They haven't killed us in our sleep, so we're all right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When that day comes, whatever. <laughs> but you've got to come to that place, that point of decision where you say, will I follow Jesus? Not play at church. Not play at being a Christian. But will I truly follow him? Because, man, that's a big decision. That's a big choice to make. And it's not one to be made like, lightly. It is a big decision. Jesus isn't asking for your spare time. He's not asking for your hobby time. He wants your life. He doesn't want to be the hobby of your life. He doesn't want to be uh, what you, what, you know, the, the extra change you find in your car when you've run out of money in your wallet so you can buy a coffee, right? That's not what Jesus wants. He wants your life. He wants the, the life that he has given you. He wants the faith that he has called you to, the faith that you have embraced in the word of God. He wants that to be interwoven throughout every fiber and aspect 
of your daily life. So that when you go to work, you go to work to honor Jesus Christ. When you talk to your children in the morning, you talk to them in a way that you want to honor Jesus Christ. How many of you, that's a, I mean, that's a huge struggle for me in the morning. Oh my, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Twin boys up in the morning before their medicine. Whew. Lord have mercy on my soul. My goodness. And yeah, but man, I've lately had to really come to grips and, and talk to God in my prayer time and say, God, I love these boys more than life itself. And sometimes you got to help me like them. <laughs> I, am, I, am I speaking straight? Seriously, man. Because they have ADHD and because their bios and their, their drug abuse and these, and before they take their medicine in the morning, Gabriel will just sit, I think I've told these people, Gabriel will just sit there and go, and Michael will just scream randomly, ah, ah, how's that, how do you like that? You're, you're making a bowl of Cheerios, ah, Michael, oh my gosh, and then they're at each other just like twin, I mean, they're still brothers, so they're going to beat the snot out of each other all the time, you know, but Lord, help me like these boys all the time, even when they're not medicated, you know, seriously. Um, I've got to get to the point in my life, and you've got to get to the point in your life where you realize that following Jesus matters in every choice you make, every step you take, everything you do. Following Jesus matters in your life. That choice to follow Jesus is not just a Sunday morning put on my robe and come to church thing. It's a 24-7, every day of the week, choosing to honor Jesus. That's why I'm so thankful for 1 John 1-9. Because there are times when I don't make the right decision. There are times when I am that cranky, grumpy, old, get-off-my-lawn old man with my sons. And I have to go back to my boys and say, guys, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry I lost my temper. And then I have to face the father. I say, God, I'm so sorry that I was a jerk to my boys. And yes, I do say that to God. God, I'm so sorry. I was a, he knows I was a jerk. I might as well admit it, right? So sorry I was a jerk to my boys. I'm so thankful that God will forgive that and then give me another chance. I, I'm probably in the multiple thousands of chances now. And I'm so glad for God's grace. Will you follow Jesus? Mark 8, verse 34 says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. How many of you know the story of Jesus? Uh, crucifixion. The, the road to Calvary. After he had been beaten spit on, back laid open from the cat of nine tails, punched, kicked, abused, and then lay, had this heavy cross laid on him, the, the cross that they would crucify him on. And he had to carry that cross. Now remember, Golgotha was a hill. So that means that he had to carry the cross up the road, up a hill, after having been completely annihilated as a human being. 
And physically, Jesus couldn't do it. And he fell under the weight. And a beautiful picture of how we partner in ministry with Jesus Christ as, a fo as followers of Christ. Who came along? Who was pulled out of the crowd? Simon. Remember? Simon of Cyrene. Who just happened to be in, there, be in, in Jerusalem for, for the feast. And Simon was called to carry the cross. Now, Jesus was not clean. They did not let him take a bath. So the grime and the mire and the blood and the sweat and the spit was on that cross. And Simon had to lay that cross on his back and carry it. And he did. And that's sometimes exactly what carrying your cross every day is like, isn't it? You dig down deep into the, the dirt and the mud and the ugly of humanity to help someone pull themselves out so that they can see the light of the grace of God. This is not an easy choice. It's not an easy decision because it doesn't come along with a lot of fame and fortune, but it comes with eternal rewards. Remember, the Bible tells us we, once we accept Christ as our Savior, we're no longer citizens of this world, right? We are citizens of heaven. Now, as Hebrews says, now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared for them a city. What did Jesus tell us in the book of John? Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also, right? That's the promise we have. So taking up our cross and following Jesus, though it may be difficult, though it may be tough, though it may get dirty at times, though it may be harsh and hard, and though it may turn other people against us, it's still taking up our cross and following Jesus. Listen, I've, I've said a few things about the life of a pastor and a pastor's family being difficult. Can I tell you something? I wouldn't trade it for all the money in the world. I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. I, I, uh, people talk about retirement. At my age, people start thinking about that. And I'm like, really? Yeah, because I'm, I'm just getting started, man. I'm just getting started. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the life out of this. This is good times. Even though I went to bed tired and, and beat up and hurt, I go to the gym on Monday and I'll work that out. I looked out there today and I saw a brand new expansion of a parking lot. And I can't wait to see the, for the, see the day where that is filled twice on Sunday and once on Saturday. Maybe three times on Sunday, who knows? Get a whole lot of, lot of hours on Sunday, right? If you choose to follow him, you must do it his way. You got to do it his way. This is not a, a select from option A or option B or option C. Following Jesus is not a buffet, right? Following Jesus is Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, you may get boneless wings. You may get chicken strips. You might like dark meat or light meat. You might like extra crispy or you might like original I'm an extra crispy white meat guy, right? 
Can you tell? And I dump it in, dunk it in ranch dressing or ketchup with the JoJo's, right? The, the, the potato wedges. Yeah, buddy. And you got to have coleslaw because it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's a law. But you know what? When you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken, you're not looking for a hamburger, right? And honestly, if you wanted really good food, you'd go to Highbrow in Northampton, right? But I love me some Kentucky Fried Chicken. But I go to KFC knowing I'm going to have I'm going to have chicken. That's my I might have choices within the chicken family. But and believe me, I've made those choices before. But it's chicken. When you follow Jesus, you've got to follow him his way. You don't come to him and say, well, God, this is, you know, you know, Father, this is what I want to do. And this is, this is how we're going to work this out. And I just need you to be on the bench. So if I need help, I can call you in as the closer. Nope. It's not the way it is. When you follow Jesus, you follow him his way. You need to understand that he is God and you are not. He's God and you aren't. And that's a huge admission to make, isn't it? Isn't that a tough one to make? It's a huge one to say, okay, I agree with that. I, man, that's tough. Because we want so much control of our lives. We want to make the decisions. We want to be the one to guide the ship. Remember one of my dad's pet peeves was when he'd see that, the, the bumper sticker, right? Susan and Donna, we'd, every time we'd be driving down the highway, uh, Route 40 going to, to Bel Air, we'd see somebody with a bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot. It didn't matter where we were. It didn't matter if we were in the middle of a tornado. My dad would say, God's not my co-pilot. He's the pilot. I'm just a passenger. Like every time, right? And he drilled, he drilled it in my head. It's like, yeah. In other words, God's in charge. God's the one guiding the ship. I've never had a, 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 a lesson to fly an airplane in my life. So you know what? Don't get into an airplane with me if I'm in the pilot seat. It's not a smart choice. You might want to do something else. By the same token, I've never lived tomorrow yet. I don't know what's ahead. You know, I look at the Roe family who just had twins, and Aaron and I can give them some advice. More likely, we'll give them laughter, but we can give them some advice about dealing with twin boys because we've had twin boys now for about almost six years. It's going on six years now that we've had Gabriel and Michael with us. So it's, if you've ever raised twins, they're, it's different. It's the same, but it's very different. But I've never raised their boys. And I've never raised their boys with an older son in the home. I've never raised their boys where we've got this dynamic and then the father works in the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. But I know who knows tomorrow and I know who holds tomorrow. So they might be able to get some advice from Aaron and me, but what they really need to do is talk to God. Because he's the one that will direct them and guide them and help them through. The problem today is that we want to watch Oprah more than we want to spend time in prayer. We want to read books and self-help books. And we want to have discussion time rather than Bible study. That's the problem. 
somebody, what do we want to call the, the Bible studies here? Well, why don't we call them Bible studies? Because they're Bible studies. I, and I've gotten to that point where I don't want any confusion about what these are. Okay, they're not support groups. They're not discussion seminars. They're Bible studies. So we're going to call them Bible studies. Because if you come here on a Wednesday or if you go to a Friday, or anything like that, you're going to discuss, you know, come here on a Sunday morning, we're going to talk about the Bible. Okay? Because that's what we need. That's what we need. We're going to kick it old school, as the kids say. We're just going to talk about the Bible. Jesus says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. That's a powerful statement. Hey, I'm the vine, you're the branch. I'm the tree, you're the leaf. In other words, you do not exist unless you're connected to me. You understand what he's saying? You don't have existence, you don't have life, you don't have power unless you're connected to me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You may accomplish things on your own, but they won't matter for the kingdom of God. That's point blank and personal. You may do things in your life, and you may accomplish things in your life. You may amass a fortune. But what does it profit someone to gain the whole world and lose their soul? When you stand before God, if you're a believer in Christ and you've done all this work in your life uh, for yourself, for your own selfish gain, when you stand before him, the Bible says your works are going to be there in front of you, represented by either gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. And God's holy fire will be put to it. And whatever's left over is your reward. Guess what's going to happen to the wood, hay, and stubble? You ever watch Survivor? <laughs> they throw that on the fire, man, and it burns up. There's a reason why you have to keep feeding a fire, because it keeps burning the fuel. But those gold, silver, and precious stones, the things you've done for Christ, those last. Following D Jesus demands your full attention. Luke 18, 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. The life of following Jesus is a life of owning and not treasuring, of possessing without being possessed. Possessing the, the, the goods of the world and the, the necessities of getting through life. We have to have money to live our lives today. So we have to work, but we don't have to be possessed by that money and driven by that money. Only Jesus can give your life purpose and fulfillment. You can look up 1 Corinthians 3, 6, 3, 8 on your own. Very quickly, the third point, is, uh, the checkpoint is a point of commitment. Will you get involved? Will you get involved? Many people will raise their hands and say, yes, I'll do it, but have you counted the cost? Have you counted the cost? Listen, it's not easy to be involved in a church. It takes your time. It takes your time. And if you commit to doing something and back away, guess what? There's a hole that needs to be filled. Now, our church is growing. We have uh, over 200 people that are part of, the, part of New Life Church but we're still not so big that we can afford to have people just not do their thing, what they've committed to, and not feel it. And I pray to God we never get that big. Now, I'd, I'd like to see us, you know, hey, man, we have 10, 15,000 people. That's all right with me. But if you always miss the people that aren't there, that means that each individual is important to your church. 
So when you commit, understand that if you back out on your commitment, it leaves a hole that needs to be filled. It's a difficult road. It's full of struggle, disappointment, and hurt. Do you have what it takes? The answer to that question, do you have what it takes, is yes, you do. You just have to try and try and try until you succeed. Did you know that every one of you could be successful in ministry? Every one of you could jump in and get involved in this church in some way and be successful. Now, the first time you may get involved in something that doesn't, it's not the perfect fit. That's okay. We are all gifted in different ways. We all have different, different areas of, getting, uh, of, of ability where we can get involved. So you may not fit into every ministry. You may have to try another one. You may have to try to do something else. And, and finally, you know, the third or fourth time you, you get involved in something, man, it's your wheelhouse. Maybe the first time it's going to be a perfect fit. Maybe you're going to be a jack of all trades in this church where you can just jump back and forth into different things. Whatever it may be, how do you get there? You try. You try and you try and you try. You get involved. You just get yourself involved. I'm, I'm really trying to stretch myself. I'm trying to learn. It may sound funny, but I'm trying to learn technology because it's, it's the way to reach people today. It's, I mean, we, we have the ability to reach people today that has never existed before. I know that sounds obvious, but seriously, we can, we can reach... We literally reach people around the world with our ministry right now. Podcasts downloaded in Iran, Greece, all around the world. People are being affected by the ministry of New Life Church. In order for, in order for me to be able to be effective, I have to get out of my comfort zone and learn some things that I may not really care about, to be honest with you. Listen, I can go on my computer, I can check ESPN. I, I know enough to how to watch uh, like Peyton Manning's Peyton's Places on ESPN. Uh, I, can, I can control the remote to get to ESPN. <laughs> and uh, I can download the ESPN app on my phone. I know how to watch Dodgers games on the MLB network on my phone. I'm happy, okay? It's all I need in technology, man. It's all I need for me. But to be successful in ministry today, I've got to learn some things beyond just how to use a texting app. It's the same with you. You've got to learn. You've got to learn how to be successful. Luke 14, verses 28 through 30, for which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, the man start, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish it. You've got to sit down and count the cost. And, go, and what I mean by that is this. You need to go into this eyes wide open. This is not going to be uh, you know, a game of Candyland. This is going to be a difficult slog at times. Sometimes it's going to be the highest of highs. Other times it's going to take you to the lowest of lows. The thing about following Jesus Christ and being involved in ministry is there's always a purpose for your personal life and your personal growth that God has for what you're going through. You've got to count that cost. Am I willing to suffer, as, as Jesus said, am I willing to suffer reproach for his name? 
Am I willing to suffer uh, long nights crying with people over, over struggles they're having? Am I willing to spend time doing things that maybe people won't even notice in the church unless it doesn't get done? Count the cost. The rich young ruler walked away, will you? See, that's a big choice. Will I follow Jesus? The rich young ruler walked away, will you? Will I commit to being involved in my church? And the last one is this, point of account, be the checkpoint of accountability. Will you expect, accept responsibility for your personal spiritual growth? That's a, big, that's a big one. Because what we like to do many times, what many people like to do is show up on Sunday morning, have the worship team sing to them, you sing along, hum a few bars and fake it, whatever it is. And then you hear a sermon and it's great. And 30 minutes later, you're ordering lunch and you've forgotten what it's all about. You're relying on the pastor and the worship team for your spiritual growth. But being accountable as a Christian means that you take responsibility for your own personal spiritual growth. That means, listen, we've, we've changed our paradigm. When I was growing up, it was Sunday morning, uh, Sunday school, Sunday morning service, uh, training union uh, on Sunday night, and then Sunday night service, and Wednesday or Thursday night, depending on which church we were at at the time. And that was, that was your choice. That was all you had. Nowadays, I don't need to tell you, it's a 24-7 society. So we have to adapt to the culture. And what we're doing is trying to offer as many Bible studies as we can throughout the week. So that you can plug into a Bible study. Once our men's ministry is up and running, we're going to have uh, small groups within that men's ministry where they're accountable and they have Bible studies there. And it, it's just going to, we want, we want options for people. That's why we're looking at second and third services because there's people that can't be here at 11 o'clock that could be here at 9 and people couldn't be here on Sunday, but they could be here on Saturday. So let's, let's do it. If it's 20 people, that's 20 people that can be there that couldn't be at Sunday morning. So why don't we open up and give them the option of being in church when they can make it. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus doesn't say, you, only, you better be at that one service or you're not right with me. And I understand you have to provide for your family. You have to live life. Things happen. But if we can give people, if we can give you options so that you can take ownership of your own spiritual growth and jump into a Bible study, even if it's with two or three people or if it's with 20 other people, you're, you're learning and you're growing in your faith. Will you take responsibility for your personal growth? Jesus said in nine, Luke 9.62, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back as, as fit for the kingdom of God. Man, take responsibility for your faith. Will you accept responsibility for your actions, both good and bad, and not look for others to blame? Isn't that what our society is all about today? Find somebody else to blame. I'm not at fault. And Lord, raise up a generation that says, I'll take responsibility for my own actions. I did it. I own it. I'm sorry. Move on. It's that easy. It's that easy. I don't have to blame everybody else. Take responsibility for your actions. And that's in, in your spiritual walk as well. Listen, as a pastor, I'm not looking for people... Uh, who want to blame others. I want, to I want people who can hold themselves accountable and be accountable, not people who continually look for a fall guy. Romans 14, 12 says, so then each of you will give an account of himself to God. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, in this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. 
and following Jesus Christ. Making a commitment to him, it means being able to hold yourself accountable. Taking responsibility for your actions, both good and bad. And lastly, will you, will you accept the responsibility of fighting through the difficulties and pushing through the pain to achieve the goal? Will you take that responsibility of fighting through the difficulties? Listen, growing a church is, is hard stuff. Growing a life is hard stuff. There, come, there, there comes with growth pain, right? Growing pains as a kid when you were growing. I remember Zach couldn't run track as a sophomore in high school. And we took him to the doctor because his knees hurt too bad. And he said, the guy, he's growing. He, he grew like 10 inches in a year. And his legs just hurt. So growing pains. As, as a church right now, we're, there's times where I feel like we're playing catch up all the time because we just keep growing and we keep moving forward. And growing pains. And I sat, I, I stood with Zach and Jeremy and looked at that parking lot after we were done yesterday. I said, man, it, now it may not look like anything to anybody else, but I looked at that and I said, that's a thing of beauty because that's something that I have been praying about and wanting for many, many years. And here we are at that point, and now we just need to fill it, right? Will you be willing to go through the, get the difficult times of growth? Man, those difficult times of, of working through hardships and tough times with members of the body, how many of you know that you're not going to get along with everybody in this auditorium right now, right? How many of you know that there's probably another 50 or 60 people that aren't here right now that many of them you're not going to get along with either, right? Right? How many of you know you're not going to get along with me all the time? Yeah, thank you very much. Now, your hands went up too quickly on that one. <laughs> Just going to say that. <laughs> and my wife especially. <laughs> But serving Jesus Christ means you fight through those difficulties, man. Why? Because there's a greater purpose involved than simply you having friends. And that greater purpose is winning people to the kingdom of God. And more importantly, you living your life in such a way that you honor Jesus Christ as much as you possibly can. Ecclesiastes 5.4 says, when you make a vow to God, don't delay fulfilling it. Because he does not delight in fools, fulfill what you vow. But then Ecclesiastes 12, 13 just kind of wraps it all up for us. It says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. To honor God with your life. To do what he's called you to do. To do it to the best of your ability. To live a life that matters for the kingdom of God. That's your calling. That's your duty. You're not called to be the next Billy Graham. You may not be called to be a missionary to the deepest parts of Africa or to the Middle East. God wants you to serve him and live for him here. And if you're in new life, he wants you here. He wants you involved in this church. And believe me, there's places for you. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here in church today. God, I hear the, the, the noise of babies, and I'm so thankful, God, that these children were born healthy. But God, I, I, I'll just be real honest. Um, here this morning, I am so proud of these families who are here with their children. One, God, they just left the hospital three hours ago and they're here today in church. I love that. 
God, I look around and I see a crowd of people who gave up time on Sunday morning that really most of us could be using to do something else productive, to come here and worship you. God, the question that faces us is, will we choose to take the decision on a Sunday morning to go to church and expand that to the rest of our lives so that every day of our lives, every minute of our lives is spent honoring you in every decision, in every discussion, in every action. Lord, would you give us the courage to make those decisions for you? Would you give us the courage to stand for you? Would you give us the passion to follow you and the love to sacrifice for you? God, in this church, I know, God, there's personality conflicts. Lord, I know there are, there are, there are the potentials for division. Any group of people that is this large, there's going to be those problems. But God, I pray that we as a church will seek you first and your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, if we will do that, you'll add unity to us. But if we start off from a place of division and dislike, God will never be unified. So I pray that you'll bring us together. And as we continue to grow and as we continue to reach out, as we continue to share our faith and as we continue to bring new people in, God, would you give us hearts of grace and love to accept them just as they are because you accepted us just as we are. God, help us to look beyond what our eyes can see and to see what you want us to see. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Would you dismiss us today with your blessing and as we go, may we go forward worshiping you and serving you and looking for every opportunity to walk through every open door to share our faith in any possible way we can. For it's in your precious holy name we pray and ask all these things. Amen.